AB53 Creative Podcast. We are here to support, inspire and help out creative individuals. Hello Megan, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you doing? Oh fine, fine. So I was just going to start things off by asking about your um, journey into jewellery making and silversmith. Mm -hmm. So I I went to Duncan Jordanson in Dundee, um, same as the first girl that you interviewed. So it's quite nice actually hearing her story. I was like, oh, there's similarities. Um, But I did the same. So it was like a general year course for my first year. And then I decided to go into jewellery and metal work um, for my final three years. Um, I also did an exchange. I think it was in third year. That was over in Toronto. And when I was there, they kind of introduced like silversmithing techniques. So like working on larger scale pieces rather than all about jewellery. So when I then came back to Dundee to do my like fourth year project, I then decided at that point, okay, I want to do kind of bigger scale pieces. So that's when I started making the hammers and the bowls and all the textured pieces. So that kind of started me off on that track. And I've always made jewellery alongside the silver smithing um but I think it just sometimes one of them takes a bit more importance than the other depending on what projects I've got going on and you know what kind of things I'm working on at the time so here I am now five years since graduating and I'm still making things and teaching um workshops as well so yeah <laughs> that's I always wonder it's like um with ceramics and jewelry making and things like that it's like mm-hmm. how do you find that you like doing that because it like if you il- if you like illustrating you can just pick up a pe- pencil and pen but how do you yeah. find out that oh actually that's what I you have to invest in what it, you but, enjoyed yeah. I know I think I was doing in the general year I was doing a lot of drawing and I think the tutors were like mm, we don't think fine art is for you so I think I started doing like designy stuff and I was definitely not going to be textiles because I could not do all the sketchbook work and like you know you could tell someone who was a textiles designer they just had like ideas patterns everything and I think I quite enjoyed working with my hands and actually making a physical thing so it wasn't just on paper I think the sense of achievement when you've actually put something together and maybe it's wearable or I don't know maybe it's just like an ornament but I think that's what I ended up getting into jewellery because I started making things and then they had noticed that you know maybe jewellery would be a good thing for you to do because you're working on like small scale modelling which is kind of what jewellery is so I definitely feel like, um, well, with um, graphics, it's always this joke between us that our degree is just cutting and sticking because you just, (laughs) we just make sketchbooks constantly filling these pages just to show the development. Whereas with yours, it's very much like you get a physical end product that shows off your work like that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And I think a lot, like I found it quite hard and still do to like sketchbook as people say, oh, you should be sketchbooking. But actually, I find it so hard to like sit down and draw a picture or, oh, I'm going to be inspired by this and this will be what I draw and then I'm going to make what I draw. I think it's, I'm more of a like visual and what's the word? Don't know, just like I learn as I make. So maybe I'll make a couple of samples and then I'll develop them from the actual thing. Maybe I'll make them in copper or silver, depending on what I'm working on, but it tends to come from the making process rather than 
from a sketchbook. So when I was in my fourth year of uni, I struggled a lot when they were like, right, let's spend two months on sketchbooking. And I was like, oh God, like I couldn't think of any designs. And it was when I started experimenting with materials and started making things with my hands, that's when I was like, okay, I've got some ideas now. And on your website, you speak of um, your inspiration with natural decay and erosion in nature. How did you Mm -hmm. apply that to your work? What inspired you to do that? Yeah, I had always been like inspired by basically like a relationship basically between the sea and the land and how it's always changing and how, you know, the tide comes in, the tide goes out, what comes in with the tide and using found objects to kind of, create this process so that's when I started going to the coast picking up rocks and I had always thought okay I'll do like impressions of them or something so I was taking like bits of paper and like doing rubbings of them and I was really interested in like the texture and how the surface of basically the landscape changes over time so that's what I kind of tried to show in the silver pieces that I made so the bowls were almost like as I hammer the texture, the texture changes because the rock is changing and eventually the bowl's going to look slightly different as I keep making it, if that makes sense. So it was more just about trying to like interpret where my inspiration came from into like a physical object that looked nice. I definitely agree. You know, when you go to the beach, you can't leave a yeah. beach without, um, without empty pockets. Without got, yeah. I know. I, I've got I'm crazy I've got like bags of rocks in the back of my car and everything well I went on um up into the highlands um earlier on last year and I've got these bags of like the treasures that I've found I'm like oh yeah I'll put them in a like a box frame or something like that no no nothing happens with them but at least you always think you're going to use them for something though don't you yeah at least you're you're using them as inspiration where I'm just holding them keeping them for a future use I'm sure yeah my mum always goes on about it's the most randomest things that we find it's like oh we should keep that because you might need it for an exhibition I'm like what (laughs) What? well you never know I do digital work but yeah I might might need these 20 bowls that are in a funny shape Oh, and your project, um, Raising Hammer and Vessel, it was one I wanted to ask you mm. about. I've seen that on your mm. website. It's got the wee hammers and the, the bowls. What, ah, okay, yeah. yeah. So that was like, that was kind of where all that started. So that was my degree show work. So that was where I started taking the rocks from the landscape. And as I said, I was trying to, you know, make marks and see how I could transfer the pattern. And then I think I decided, why don't I just use it as a tool? So I started like hammering metal just with a rock in the hand. But obviously, depending on what rocks you're using, half of them are crumbling under your hands or like they're sandy. So they're just causing a mess. So I decided I'm going to try and cast them so that I don't get all of this kind of, you know, some of the particles of the rock were getting stuck in the metal and things like that, which are causing problems when I'm heating it up. So I decided to cast them. Um, and make hammers from them because why not I guess if you make your own hammer it means that your piece is never really going to be able to be copied I mean like the shape can be copied it can have a textured surface but that exact finish won't be able to be copied from someone who just has bought a hammer from B&Q or from 
a website that sells texturing hammers. So it's, it was kind of about creating something that was unique and something that changed as it got used. So that's where the the kind of connection between the bowl and the hammer started. So I was making like one hammer, then one bowl to go along with it. And I, th I think I eventually was making like limited series. So I would maybe make 10 bowls or 10 cups from one hammer. And you could see the difference in the one that you started with and the one that finished um, because the texture of the silver was like slightly less sharp and it was just, you know, you could see the progress of basically how the tool had been used, which I quite liked the idea of having them like connected like that. There's also, I know you're, it was the the rocks and things like that, the beach, but it almost has like this feel of like the waves in the, mm -hmm. the it looks like it could be like in the, the metal yeah in the metal yeah yeah like if you zoom right into some of the pictures of the texture it does look like the tide's coming in or like if you were to take a picture of just the sea or something so there's also a pair yeah. of earrings on your instagram that definitely looks like it's a choppy um... <laughs> a choppy ocean yeah yeah oh good that is the the look i was that going wasn't for. probably the most, that came across the most poetic way of putting it with a choppy yeah. ocean but <laughs> And no, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> on your Instagram, it, it says that you're part of the Quest Scholar, even. And I mm -hmm. hadn't heard of that. I looked on it. Uh, so I was just going to ask uh -huh. you a bit about that because um, there's some brilliant mm -hmm. things on their um, page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Quest is uh, basically like a funding group. It's a charity, actually, who support makers um, who do like heritage crafts. So because silversmithing is like a traditional skill um, that doesn't necessarily get used as it would 100 years ago, um, they basically support people to train. So I had applied, I actually applied two years ago and didn't get it. And then I applied again just with a different, you know, a new application. Um, and luckily I was accepted to get the funding. So it was it's basically like an 18 month project working with a master silversmith and chaser and um, rod kelly so he lives up in shetland so it's eight two-week blocks over the course of 18 months so i'm basically going up about every two or three months um to do a two-week kind of project so sometimes i'm going to do uh like a vase or sometimes i'll be going to do like a decorated beaker just depends unfortunately my my um second session was cancelled because of lockdown but I'm sure it'll be made back for, for a bit longer next time you've got more time to think about what you're going to yeah, do I've yeah I've got more that, time to plan that... <laughs> exactly but it's, you I... need to look at the positives don't you yeah it's really mm -hmm. important to salvage all these skills like there's thatching on mm -hmm. here and things like that I yeah think, there's loads of stuff isn't there yeah it all I think the first few posts at the moment remind me I, I can't remember the program but where people bring old things in I don't know if you know what I'm oh, is it the repair shop yes yes yeah I yeah, love that yeah. <laughs> in fact one of the guys on there is like an ambassador at Quest oh right so he, well, yeah that, that, that was there you go so there is a link <laughs> not me just plucking things out of thin air no no <laughs> And I was just going to ask you about um, you working at the Smiddy and how you got into mm -hmm. that and the workshops you do there. Yeah, so the Smiddy, well, actually, when I was in fourth year at uni, somebody came to 
the school and had told us that they were going to be building a silversmithing school in Banff. And I was like, oh, that sounds exciting. And then we never really heard anything about it again. And then I went off traveling when I first graduated. And then I came back and I emailed the guy saying, is this still happening? Um, and then it, obviously it took years to build and funding and everything like that. And when it eventually opened, um, Vanilla Inc. got the basically the rights to run the place as a jewellery and silversmithing school. And then I applied, had two positions, um, silversmith resident kind of tutor and things like that, or the coordinator. So obviously I applied for the, the technician role and luckily got it. So we've been open for two and a half years now. Um, and yeah, we run classes, we do commissions, we work with young people. Um, we do all sorts, evening classes, day classes. Um, we're hopefully going to be running some residencies with graduates and things like that soon. So taking a little bit of a step back or pause at the moment, but hopefully once things open back up again, we'll be back to some sort of normal. It's such <laughs> Whatever a, that might look like. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're just playing it by ear. We've no idea what's going on. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's such a cool space um, that you... Almost would expect to find in Banff. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's quite different for Banff, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've told so many people about it and how, like, oh yeah, you can go and get your rings made there and things. Oh like yeah, that. and they're just like, where? I'm like, in Banff. And I know. Like, no. Just tell them it's opposite Spotty Bag Shop. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> they always it. Know where that is. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows where Spotty Bag Shop everyone is. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And I was just going to ask you about any projects you've been up to at the moment. Obviously you're not getting mm-hmm. in that but what what have you got planned <laughs> well I mean I'm still technically ongoing with my quest scholarship so I was working on a um, flower vase which is kind of made up of eight different parts which at the moment are in two parts of four so everything all still needs soldered together and things like that but yeah I'm kind of putting that to the side until I go back up to Shetland because I don't really want to make any mistakes um, doing it on my own so I'd rather have the games of Rod before I get back to that but yeah just working on I'm still working on like a wedding collection of jewellery um, rings and things like that I was meant to be doing two wedding shows last summer so whether they'll be on this year I'm not so sure but even if I get prepared for what might happen and if not I'll need to invest more into online markets and things like that so yeah just commissions making stock keeping myself as busy as I can without being bored <laughs> really because I've seen you at Christmas time at the markets at the is, oh yeah Dima yeah yeah as we call mm-hmm. it D side but I'm like no it's not that <laughs> um so how have you found like would you would you have normally been going to loads of different markets at Christmas and yeah, yeah. usually I mean Christmas time is obviously the busiest time of year for like makers because that's when people are buying gifts, people are spending the money, and yeah, usually there are a lot of Christmas events and they'll maybe be I'll maybe be doing one a weekend or something like that on the run up to Christmas from November. But there was two. There was a Demouth, um studios and then there was the Han which was at the art gallery so luckily <clears throat> that one still went ahead with all the social distancing um, guidelines and things like that so that was brilliant to be able to have my work at that um 
But yeah, usually they're every weekend. It's the Etsy one, it's the flock at the barn and things like that. So I totally missed out on all of them. And it's just nice to be like around other makers because sometimes when you're working for yourself, you're so like narrow, not narrow minded, but you're so just in your own head, in your own zone, working in your studio. And then it's like at Christmas time when, you know, you get to see or catch up with all the other people who have also been in their studios working like mad. And it's just nice to, it's like a sense of community really at Christmas time. So you can, yeah, I did miss that a little bit. You can share the the stresses of the stress. Oh, but how late were you up to kind of thing? (laughs) No, but it is, it's just about kind of catching up with people and, you know, and I think the, at these things you can, like you could share some, someone else's creative things and the, the passive yeah. social media and advertisement mm-hmm. can help each other out, I think is important to um, share other people's work and things like that. Yeah, um, I've exactly. noticed you've been making Instagram reels. Oh the, my God. This is something I... <laughs> I'm I, trying to <laughs> enter the world of the 20 year olds. <laughs> I've been yeah. trying to I haven't even ventured to understand <laughs> reels yet but so I was looking at them oh, but they look God. really good how have you been yeah. finding working that well I mean I've always tried to make videos anyway of like even when I was in art school I was like taking loads of pictures filming stuff and I had like a little video as part of my presentation so I, th- I think I do like photography and I do like making videos so it it's always been something that I do or they might be on my computer no one will see them but I've got loads of videos of you know making process and things and I thought oh god I I might just try and make one of these but and you know I'm still learning and I'm probably not doing it properly but it's nice for to share a little bit of behind the scenes because some people who maybe have no idea about the world of jewellery making can find it quite interesting to see kind of what actually goes on when you're making something from scratch well with you saying that you had been posting you always you put the jewelry you've made on this bit of wood that's on the end of the bench Mm -hmm. and it's got it's got like grooves in it yeah yeah so I just thought this was like a nice bit of wood that you had attached (laughs) before but it's so that you can get your file um in isn't yeah. it yeah so I learned it's that basically from... yeah it's like a, it's called a bench peg so every jailer will have like a little peg basically in the middle of their bench and the reason that there's like a v in the middle is so that you can put you know a flat piece of metal over it and hold and then cut through without cutting into the wood so that's basically it's not it's not a design feature well, that, of the that's... That is, it's just functional <laughs> From from your reel, I learned that um, I was really doing <laughs> you it is useful. I was like, oh, I just thought it was a nice bit of wood for for displaying. Oh, I know what you mean. Because I have been putting pictures up yeah. of rings just like on that bit of wood. Yeah. Well, it looks nice, so <laughs> thank <not>? you. <laughs> and have you ventured into the world of TikTok since you've been doing videos? You I know what? Sure. I'm gonna admit on here. I downloaded TikTok, logged in, and then I looked at a few videos and thought I'm too old for this so I have to be honest I deleted it again (laughs) I do like Instagram reels because I think there's a lot more people like other makers who are putting up process videos and things like that but I think TikTok's more about strange I don't know there's a lot of like weird things going on there so yeah I'll stay away from that for a while (laughs) maybe in the future no (laughs) 
yeah, maybe when there's some more makers on there and yeah, maybe some older customers. <laughs> but I definitely I need to um make like another TikTok account because I so many people like digital people show tricks on InDesign and oh, Illustrator okay. on there. But oh, that's it, quite useful. So I'll like it and then it gets lost yeah. in amongst all the absolute nonsense yeah. that I also like. Yeah, there's so a need, lot of nonsense. Yeah, there. so I need to make a mm-hmm. design, like crafty TikTok yeah. so that I can block out yeah. all the other ones. But yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> Maybe but, that's just what I need to do. <laughs> You need to like like all the the design ones to get them yeah, gone exactly. out, out of the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I've had a good time. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice chat. chat. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs>